Well, we're going to turn to the scriptures uh, to consider the Lord Jesus Christ for a short time this morning. And uh, we're turning to that psalm that we read earlier, which is Psalm 40. Psalm 40. It's amazing, <coughs> I find, so often the connections in the scripture from different books, uh, from different writers, and yet the connections run from the beginning to the end. And I was puzzling over what to preach on today and uh, started to prepare something else and thought, well, in actual fact, that's a bit, much, bit too much of a Bible study for a, a Christmas morning. And uh, I do tend to preach Bible studies because that is the purpose, isn't it? It's to know the Word of God. And the more we hide the Word of God in our hearts, the better uh, we are for it. And uh, then this verse just came into my mind, Lo, I come. So I searched it in the scripture and came up with a, a number of texts which have those words in it, but three of them in particular stand out, or four of them in actual fact, uh, particularly stand out. And uh, so that's what I want to speak on today, Lo, I come. And I want to take it under three headings. First of all, the mystery of his coming. Secondly, the marvel of his coming. And thirdly, the manifestation of his coming. The mystery, the marvel, and the manifestation. They come from different parts of the scripture, and really the uh, thread which runs through them is the thought of God's purposes from the foundation of the world until the coming of Jesus Christ, and of course also to the end. In fact, uh, in the last book of the Bible it says, Lo, I come quickly. And so there is another one there as well. Uh, we won't go to that one. But just uh, to look at these first of all. The basis uh, from which we take these things is from Psalm 40. And just reading a few verses uh, which I'd like you to keep in mind. And if you've got your Bibles, uh, put some marker in there or keep your finger in there. Uh, from verse 6 to 8, we read these words. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. These words are attributed to the Lord Jesus Christ by uh, the apostle in the book of Hebrews. And we will come to look at those verses also in a few moments. But first of all, in the mystery of his coming, there is a mystery in the first time this occurs in the scripture, and that's in Exodus and chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 is the, ver is the chapter immediately before the Ten Commandments. So chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. Chapter 19 is a, a wonderful chapter. It is before the Ten, Command uh, Ten Commandments were given, and it was filled with promise. But in verse 9 of that chapter, we read these words, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. So the mystery of his coming, first of all, is that when God came, and uh, uh, manifested himself amongst the people, it was in a thick cloud. 
So they couldn't see him, they couldn't see his glory, uh, he was obscured from their sight. So what was it that God was doing as he comes and he, uh, and he comes and manifests himself amongst them in this thick cloud? Well, first of all, the first thing that he does in coming is that he establishes the law. And as I've already said, the law comes in the next chapter, is connected. Of course, originally when the, the, the book was written, there were no chapters and verses in it. Uh, it just carries on. And we come very quickly to the words of God. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not uh, have any other gods before me, and so on. So the Ten Commandments are coming. So the first thing that God does in appearing and saying, Lo, I come, that the people may believe thee forever, is to establish the law. There is a law. There is a law which God has given, and there are multiple laws. In fact, there's the laws of physics. Uh, There are the laws of, of all of creation. There are the laws which govern this earth which uh, men call themselves scientists who search knowledge because the word science just simply means knowledge. So scientist is, a, is someone who searches out knowledge. They are seeking to find out things which, are, which might be uh, revealed to them uh, from the creation and come out with all kinds of theories, we know. But nevertheless, they are searching that which God has created and they are gaining knowledge. Uh, some uh, knowledge ever learning the scripture says never able to come to a knowledge of the truth so it is to establish the law there is a law in acts chapter 13 and verse 39 we read and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of moses so uh, we're thinking of this law which moses uh, uh, revealed to the people and how that god appeared amongst them in this thick cloud and said, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. This is my law. And it's a very general law. You know, general laws are, are much more uh, useful to us than specific laws. Specific laws can be worked around by clever lawyers. General laws and what is so often termed the spirit of the law is something completely different. And it is this law which God gives. It's a very simple law. Uh, and it, if we have the spirit of the law, if the law is hidden within our hearts, as we read from Psalm 40, then we keep the law in all of its points just because we desire to do so. Not because it says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing, which we're always fighting against. And you'll know from uh, dealing with children that if you say, don't do something, that's what they particularly want to do. So we are all the same. We are just older children, in actual fact, aren't we? So he establishes the law. But the second thing he does, not just establish the law, which is the Ten Commandments here, but he embeds the idea of a lawgiver. If there is a law, somebody gives the law. Who gives the law? And God is saying, I am giving the law, And I'm going to manifest myself in this thick cloud speaking to you, Moses, so that the people will not only know there is a law, but there is a lawgiver. And that is me, the God of heaven, Jehovah. He embeds this idea then of the lawgiver. There is a God to whom we will answer. There is a judge. Isaiah 33, verse 22, for the Lord, Jehovah, that is in in capital letters in the authorized version, so that we might know it's the name Jehovah, for Jehovah is our judge. 
Jehovah is our lawgiver. Jehovah is our king. He will save us. Those are the words uh, of Isaiah. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. In James 4.12 we read, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? One lawgiver. And and so God reveals himself, therefore, uh, to the people who are with Moses in the wilderness. And he reveals himself in this thick cloud. There is this, this shadow of mystery around him. But nevertheless, they hear a voice. And they know that there is a law. And they know that there is a lawgiver. And they're afraid of the lawgiver. Uh, in verse 22 of chapter chapter uh, verse 21 rather in in chapter 20 of exodus it says and the people stood afar off and moses drew near unto the thick darkness where god was and the lord said unto moses thus shalt thou say unto the children of israel ye have seen that i have talked with you from heaven ye shall not make with me gods of silver neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold and the people uh, were afraid in verse 19 the people said speak thou with us we will hear but let not god speak with us lest we die and moses said to the people fear not for god is come to prove you or to test you so there's this embedding of the idea of the lawgiver and of course this is very important in the world it's very important to us it's very important to this nation it's very important to everybody in the world that we know that there is a god that we will answer to that there is a law which he has given it's a very general law it's a law which in actual fact hangs upon love because jesus when he was asked what is the great commandment said thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind with all thy strength and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself that's the foundation of this law it is to love the lord and to love one another so the idea of the law is established the embedding of a law giver because a law must come from somewhere and then also in this thought of the mystery of his coming the esotericism of the lord in the fact that there is this hiding there is this mystery which surrounds him here it is spoken of as a thick cloud but there is a mystery from the foundation of the world as to who this god is there is no image in fact god says in the in the old testament i never showed you any similitude of myself because you would make an image is that true would we have made an image well you many churches today many places across the world you will see images of jesus christ nobody knows what jesus looked like but he was a man and therefore you can make an image of a man there's always some kind of an image which man wants to have we want to have something solid we want to have something we see but god is invisible god is a spirit and we worship him in spirit and in truth not with idols not with icons not with images not with anything which is why in a baptist church it's just a plain building with some seats in it uh, pews were ideal in the uh, back in the day people prefer seats these days but pews are pretty useful and it's just a plain building the idea of the building is it's a big living room really because people used to meet together in their houses so there's this esotericism of the lord this hiddenness of the lord to which the apostle paul refers in first corinthians 2 7 but we speak the wisdom of god in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which god ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would not have crucified the lord of glory 
But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So there is this hidden nature of God, which is why most of the world do not see him or comprehend him and they put something else in his place there is this deep understanding that there is someone that there is a god a god which so often is blamed in one way or another and people say well you don't deserve this or or or, why does this happen to me or what have i done that that circumstances should come out why do we have those thoughts even because it is written in our hearts that there is a god that we are created and yet god is hidden from us but when we go on from the mystery of his coming we see the marvel of his coming and this we find in zechariah the book of zechariah uh, which is toward the end of the old testament a few books back from matthew uh, in zechariah and chapter 2 these words come again lo i come Zechariah 2 and verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith Jehovah. And many nations shall be joined. Note the words, many nations shall be joined to the Lord, that is Jehovah again, in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. So here again, these are the words of Jehovah, the words indeed of the Lord Jesus Christ, that thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord. And what happened? Of course, Jesus came into this world. He was not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those are his words. And he preached in Israel. But afterwards he said to his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so it was at that point And here is the prophecy that in that day there will be many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. So here is the marvel of his coming. It is a promise. First of all, the people. Well, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, he says. The daughter of Zion. I often think about the fact of the, the use of the word Zion. And quite often in the scripture it has more of a spiritual use than it does of a physical one. Uh, Zion was the uh, the fortress uh, at Jerusalem, uh, which David took when he took Jerusalem for his for his capital city. But Zion so often has a more spiritual meaning, and uh, and Jerusalem as well in the New Testament has a spiritual meaning. We can uh, turn up places there too, which speaks of Jerusalem in that way. But the daughter of Zion, I always think of the daughter of Zion as actually being the people of God, not just those who dwelt in zion because everybody dwelt in zion there were there were jews there were gentiles there were there were saved people there were unsaved people there were wicked people who dwelt in zion but the daughter of zion speaks to me of those who are the lord's people those who love the lord and of course when you think about it when god speaks through the scriptures to a people lots of people don't want to know they they don't want to hear the scriptures so who's he speaking to well he's speaking to those who do want to hear and the people who do want to hear are his people sing and rejoice O daughter of zion and then the proclamation for lo i come and i will dwell in the midst of thee saith the lord 
and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. Jesus, we read, uh, came and tabernacled amongst us. He came and dwelt amongst us. The word there for dwelling is he tented or he tabernacled amongst us. He dwelt in the midst. Of course, it's a great picture there because originally in the people uh, of, of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, the tabernacle was built in the middle of them, right in the middle. And Jesus came tabernacled in the midst of us. That's the proclamation which is given here. Marvel. A marvel. And to the people of Israel who thought of the, the Gentiles as being, well, unclean. And yet God says to them, I'm going to come. I'm going to be in the midst of you. And many nations, the word goyim, which is the, the, the nations, the, 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 those who are uh, not the Lord's people, they will be joined to me. And so here is this great proclamation. It's marvelous. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. And the promise, of course, the promise that he would come. Exodus 6, 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known unto them. So this is God's actual name. And yet he says that I will come. I will come and dwell in the midst of thee, saith Jehovah. Just to make it clear that Jesus Christ is Jehovah. In fact, the name Jesus is Jehovah, our salvation. It can be uh, a name which can be taken in different ways because it's a name. So you could say the salvation of Jehovah. But both salvation and Jehovah are there in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus calls the Greek translation of the name Joshua uh, from the Old Testament. Again, in Psalm 83, verse 18, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Only your name is Jehovah. It's not given to anybody else. And it is God's name only. And again, Acts 2, verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call Here is the marvel of his coming, that God should leave the glory of heaven, come into this world to the people whom God had chosen through Abraham, that he should dwell amongst them, but then that the message should go out throughout the whole world, which is why we're here today. Because we remember the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a Jewish event, it is a world event. It is the salvation of everyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The lawgiver who gave that law at the beginning and hid himself from the foundation of the world, yet nevertheless made sure we knew that there was a lawgiver and that there was a law and that we would answer to him, now says, I will come and I will dwell in the midst of thee. Interesting words there in Psalm 40, in verse 6, it says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. You see, these things were added because we are sinners. Because God gave a law and everybody broke it. So therefore God added to the law which he had given sacrifices. And says, well, when you've broken my law, there is a way to be atoned. There is a way to be reconciled with me. There is a way that I will accept you. Do the sacrifices, I will accept you. But God didn't really want sacrifices. What he wanted was obedience. What he wanted was love. What he wanted was for us to have the law of God within our hearts. 
not just spoken to us where someone scolds us and says don't do this don't do that don't do the other thing but that we might love the Lord and therefore delight and isn't that what it says in this 40th psalm then said I lo I come in the volume of the book it is written of me I delight to do thy will O my God yea thy law is within my heart these are the words which are attributed to the Lord Jesus so we come to this last thought then the manifestation of his coming and this comes from the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews is a tremendous sermon it's it's considered by many to be a a sermon which was written down Uh, perhaps it was written by Luke Uh, nobody knows who actually wrote it but it is often reckoned that it was Paul who preached it and therefore there's a, a difficulty in it in the fact that it's a very high form of Greek which is, which is used to write it. Uh, but if it was preached and then written down, of course, there is a kind of a, um, a, a forming of words which are not Paul's words. So uh, it's written by someone else. So, but in this 10th chapter of Hebrews, uh, we read these words in verse 7 and in verse 9. In verse 7... We have, in fact, we'll read from verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, when he cometh into the world, this of course is Christ, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offering, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that is, the sacrifices, that he may establish the second, that is, the will of God, by the which will, verse 10, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And Jesus Christ, of course, finishes the sacrificial system because it was only a foreshadowing of what Christ would do when Christ bore our sins upon himself upon the cross of Calvary. This is the manifestation of his coming. So God at the beginning manifests himself in a thick cloud. It's obscure. It's hard to understand. The people are afraid. They fear God. And the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. They fear God. They know that there's a God in heaven. They've heard him speak. They know that there's a law. God himself gave it. They understand that Moses has given the law and they go about to try and keep the law and they keep the law by offering sacrifices and by doing things and adding things to the law and the law becomes thicker and thicker and more specific as the time goes on. But what they have not learned is to love God. They have not learned to love God. And Jesus Christ comes in to take away all of that. That we might know that God loved us. That God loved you. God so. God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God loved the world. And his desire. That we might love him. 
That we should continually offer sacrifices? Well, no, but that we might love him. And therefore, that we might honor him. And that we might love one another. That we might serve one another. That we might show forth the love which is shed abroad in our hearts, one to another. What can we do to help God? Nothing. God doesn't need help. God doesn't need us. God desires that we are blessed. And that blessing comes through service. One to another and service to him. To love him. To devote ourselves to him. This day we're in the house of God. And I'm glad to see you. There are many people of course who are uh, celebrating Christmas. But no thought of God. No thought of the Lord. Thought only of themselves. And perhaps we might say, well, there's a lot of love being shed abroad between people in these days. But is it a love that the Lord seeks? It is a love for him, that we might glorify him. Lo, I come, Jesus says, to do thy will, O God. And he comes and bears our sins upon his body, that we might be free. The mystery of his coming the marvel of his coming. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. The manifestation of his coming. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This is the promise which God gives in, in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, we read that in that day I will make a new covenant with the people. And I will write my law in their hearts. You won't be teaching one another externally saying do this or do that but every person that is mine will have my law written in their hearts it will be something that they will do naturally it will be something that they will do out of a full heart out of a joy of being in the lord this is my covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days saith the lord i will put my law in their inward parts i will write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because there is a love, therefore, shed abroad in your heart. And oh, we can grow. And it's not just an esoteric thing anymore. We have a scripture which speaks to us, which we can think about. That it's not just some kind of a, a feeling that we have, but it is intellectual. It is spiritual. It is mental. It is emotional. Every part of our being, as you would expect, because God created us. And he knows that we have need of all of these things may the lord bless us with the knowledge of jesus christ and salvation through his precious blood